Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Rabbi Joshua Heller. Today we're studying Masechet Eruvin, Daf Yud Gimel. That's Eruvin 13. And this Daf includes one of the most important sugyot for understanding the Talmud in general, and also for creating an authentic liberal view of Judaism. In our discussion today, I want to focus on a meta question, which is how we understand the nature of truth and how we can agree to disagree. The Talmud is made up almost entirely of opposing viewpoints. Is that a good thing? And how do we decide which one is correct? There are two really remarkable stories that lay this out for us. The first on Amun Aleph is the story of Rabbi Meir, who would later become the teacher of Rabbi Judah the Prince, the editor of the Mishnah. But first, he was a student of Rabbi Elisha ben Abuya, a known heretic, Rabbi Yishmael, and Rabbi Akiva, who were two rabbis who stayed on the path, but ended up being opponents in areas of interpretation of law. Rabbi Meir was tried as a scribe of holy texts, and he was studying with Rabbi Yishmael, and Rabbi Yishmael reinforced for him the necessity of copying those tests very accurately. He warned, Be careful, for your work is the work of heaven, and if you omit or add a single letter, you could destroy the whole world. Rabbi Meir assured Rabbi Yishmael that he was indeed scrupulous in his accuracy, copying each letter as it should be, and that moreover, he uses a special substance called kankantom, and which prevents the ink from being erased or wiped off. And that ensures that even if a fly were to land on a letter and disrupt the ink, it would not change one letter into another, even a dalid into a resh those being two letters that are almost exactly the same. Can one letter really destroy the whole world? Well, take one example from the Shema, which is found in our Torah scrolls, in the mezuzah, and in tefillin. The first sentence of the Shema, Hear, O Israel, Adonai is our God, Adonai is one, ends on the word Echad, which ends with the letter Dalid. If a little bit of ink is removed from that dalid, then suddenly that word is acher, meaning other. And so instead of saying that God is one, echad, we would be offering a heresy that God is not one, but rather acher, other. This is a particularly meaningful potential typo, because as I mentioned earlier, Rabbi Meir's first teacher was Rabbi Elisha ben Abuya who did start as a rabbi but became a heretic, and when he became a heretic, he was known as acher, that very word. What a difference one dot can make between echad, symbolizing the unity of God, and acher, symbolizing one who is on the outside, who is other. We hang so much on every single line of the Torah, on every crown, on every letter. Rabbi Meir is saying, don't worry, I've got this. I can preserve every letter of the Torah as it is using this kankantom. Rabbi Yishmael, though, his teacher, 
responds that that's actually not okay, because there is in fact one passage of the Torah that must be erased. There's the passage of the Sota. If a woman is suspected of adultery, then the husband brings her to the temple, and there's a ritual where that very passage is erased, and the scrapings are placed into a portion that she drinks. So this is a remarkable point. This text has to be erasable, can't have the kankanatom in it that would make it permanent, and in fact, the absolute truth and permanence of the Torah is subsidiary to the need to create peace within human beings, with the need to create a certain type of society that requires a flexibility as to the nature of absolute truth. Going further, we're presented with the possibility that Rabbi Akiva possibly agreed with or possibly disagreed with this practice of putting kankantum into the ink. And we see that, in fact, Rabbi Akiva had a special trait that Rabbi Meir copied, which is being able to make both sides of the argument. In fact, we are told that Rabbi Meir could convince you that something was kosher when it wasn't or was not kosher when it was which was a sign of his prowess and facility, but made his colleagues wary of accepting his view. In other words, we might argue that perhaps the essence of wisdom is being able to appreciate that there are two sides to a question and being unsure as to which one is right. We may think that our reading is absolutely true, but in fact we have to accept the possibility that the letter that we are looking at has faded or lost a dot and we have misread. Rabbi Meir is able to appreciate both sides of the argument, but that is actually a cause of concern and distrust for his colleagues because they're really not sure which of the sides that he's presenting is the side that they should follow. The same idea is played out much more profoundly on a text on Amud Bet, and this is one of the classic quotes in our entire Jewish tradition. Rabbi Abba quotes Shmuel, For three years... The school of Shammai and the school of Hillel disputed. These said, the law follows our view. These said, the law follows our view. Until finally, a heavenly voice called out and said, These and these are the words of the living God. But the law follows Beit Hillel. What a remarkable statement. These and these are the words of the living God. First of all, The idea that there could be more than one right answer to a religious question, to a question of ultimate significance, that in fact God's answers are sometimes multiple choice, is a remarkable statement in and of itself. Also the idea that we call God a living God, that this is a God who is in tuned with the flow and the flexibility of a world that is in flux. But then of course, The law still has to follow someone. We can, like Rabbi Meir, make the argument that this is kosher and make the argument that this is not kosher. And both those arguments are convincing. At some point we have to decide, are we going to eat this thing or not? And in fact, the Talmud asks, In our text we said, These and these are the word of God, but the law follows Beit Hillel. So at the end of the day, Why is it that the law follows Beit Hillel if both are the word of the living God? Why were the school of Hillel worthy to have the law set according to them? Because they were gentle and willing to bear insult, and they would teach not only their own words, but the words of the school of Shammai as well.
And not only that, but they would give precedence to the words of the school of Shammai over their own. The school of Hillel wins out, and their view is ultimately accepted because they come with a sense of humility. In fact, sometimes the essence of discourse, sometimes the essence of being a person who is a pursuer of truth, and the essence of being a person who actually owns truth, is to be able to recognize the views of others before you can contemplate your own. At the end of the day, sometimes there has to be a right answer in practice. But before you can th get there, before you can claim that you have the right answer, you have to be able and willing to consider the answer of the other side. You have to be able to consider the answer presented by the other view. And in fact, you have to be able to give respect to that view. You have to be able to recognize the integrity of the person on the other side of the argument from you. We live in a world where so many people claim to speak for God and claim to wear the mantle of absolute truth. In the religious realm, in the political realm, we see discourse, we see discussion as a zero-sum game. In order for me to be right, you have to be wrong. But this sugya teaches us that that's not always the case. Sometimes I can be right, and that doesn't make you wrong. Now, that doesn't mean there isn't right and wrong in the world. Earlier on the Amud, we saw the case of a rabbi who tried to prove that a sheretz, a creepy crawler, is kosher. And eventually, he got smacked down. Our tradition is telling us that there are indeed right answers in this world, but sometimes there's more than one right answer. And the winner of the argument is sometimes not the person with the sharpest retort, not the person who can come up with the fiercest objection, but rather the person who can honestly say, I have some humility. I understand where you're coming from, and I can present my view only after acknowledging yours and acknowledging the sincerity of your faith and the wisdom of your approach as well. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.